What's up, guys? Big Lou here, NGFU Radio. Um, we decided to change it up a little bit. Uh, I have some one-on-one um, interviews with some special people that we're going to be doing, releasing here um, probably bi-weekly. Um, our first guest is going to be Eric Saunders, VP of VP Components. Um, got an opportunity to sit down and chat with him up at China Peak um, for one of the California Enduro races. Uh, quick overview, we talked about his professional uh, cycling career, road racing, not only here in the States, but also uh, in Europe. We also get into just racing in general and just what it takes to uh, to be at that level. Um, hope you guys enjoy it. And once again, it's Big Lou with NGFE Radio. If you guys uh, want to give a shout out, hit us up on Instagram. That's NGFE underscore radio. Also on Facebook, NGFE Radio. And obviously, you guys are going to be listening to us on SoundCloud, uh, NGFE Radio. All right, guys. Enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Big Lou here, NGFE Radio. This is the one-on-one special edition with the one and only Eric Saunders. Eric Saunders, welcome to to the podcast, man. Thanks. I'm excited. All right, man. Well, let's start it off here. We're actually in China Peak. We're doing a uh, on-the-road podcast. We're going to try to get to more... Uh, interviews going on this weekend. It's a great time, a great event, and um, everybody's here. Yeah, a lot of people here. Let's start off with uh, who's Eric Saunders? Where were you born? <laughs> you know, all that good stuff, man. <laughs> I was born in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Okay. I uh, grew up there, uh, graduated high school there in 92, and uh, then just went out in the world on the bike. You know what I mean? College? Yeah, that's a, yeah. I, so, I started, I started riding my bike and, and uh, I want to say maybe like my junior year of high school, I just, we had the tour to Trump. I love that dude. <laughs> I love that motherfucker. He, he, he let me know what bike racing was. He wanted to put his name on everything. They had a race called the tour to Trump. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not shitting you. It was the Tour de Trump. So that that was your first like big like r- taste of mountain bike or well, road no, racing? It was, or? it was a, it was an international road race, and Richmond, Virginia always had a stage because Medalist Sports, who's one of the big organizers of um, uh, uh, road cycling events and other events, and you know they work with AEG and big people like that doing mm-hmm. events. Their office was in Richmond, Virginia, so Richmond already was part of the road thing at a high level and they always had a stage of Tour de Trump. It became Tour du Pont and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we all knew what bike racing was mm-hmm. because of Tour de Trump. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I, yeah, I thought that thing looked cool and then there was a kid who was racing juniors in another high school. The high school I went to was actually two high schools in one building. Okay. It was like kind of like magnet school kind of thing. And a kid that went to the other high school was a road racer, and he was um, in the local junior team, which is called Signet Cycling Team, sponsored by this bank. And uh, so I knew what it was, and I had a bit of a connection to it. But I really like mountain biking. And okay. this was like in 1990. Like, the bikes were, had, didn't have suspension. Like, is that like kind of where mountain biking just started getting, getting a contraction? Um, it, it was the big... It was when Norba was about to blow up. Like, okay. I was racing juniors on bikes with no suspension. You would go 
like it was fun it was rock and roll and i didn't ride bikes i didn't love bikes i was like i'm gonna be a bike racer like i knew what biking was i knew it was a sport and i played soccer i didn't get on in team sports the way i might have so for me the thing i was gonna do was mountain biking just because okay. you know road didn't really seem like my thing and um i didn't know anyone did mountain biking yeah the bikes look cool. I didn't know anyone that did it, so I'm gonna do that. Mm-hmm. I can be the only one, right? I'm <laughs> special. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's how how it went down, and I enjoyed it. I had fun. I raced juniors, and you know, was racing steadily better. Um, and then uh, I figured out like Ned Over and John Tomac and all these dudes were also riding the road bike. So mm-hmm. I got the road bike because I wanted to be a pro mountain biker, and um, then I joined the local junior team, the Signet cycling team. And then all of a sudden it was like 10 kids my age. We had a 15 passenger van and a team manager and some financial support. And you would go to these races like all summer. So mountain biking was camping with my mom. Right. Then road racing, that was like criterium racing was rock and roll. That was like a van full of kids going all over the place, cutting up in hotels, having water balloon fights. And see, back then, now bike mountain bikes are fast. Back then, my, mountain bikes were fucking slow. Yeah. <laughs> you won the race, you got beat the fuck up, you got last, you got beat the fuck up. The bike sucked, and I'm yeah. not... You know, so then you get on a road bike, it's fast. I wanted to ride fast. Mm-hmm. I like to ride fast. And you can do a criterium and ride your bike 30 miles an hour. Back then, you couldn't do that on a mountain bike. It was very different, mm-hmm. you know, the sport back then. Um, so then I, I just never, you know, it was camping with my mom versus wilding out with kids all summer. Right. No brainer, never went back to the mountain bike. So that's where you started getting to more Yeah, so, cycling. and I wanted to be a pro whatever. So, okay, I'm racing road bikes and doing criteriums. I'd be pro this. That's cool. So yes, about college, and so I went to Virginia Commonwealth University, which is in Richmond, Virginia, where I grew up. Um, my focus by then was on bike racing. I was going to be a bike racer. Yeah, and I did college because you just do college, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but college for me was the most expensive gym membership I ever had. <laughs> I cut class and lifted weights. Yeah, you know, and trained, and um, my mom paid for. Back then, college was cheap. It wasn't expensive. My mom paid for my first semester. She said, you get a B average, I'll pay for your next semester. I got like a C. I got like mm-hmm. 2.8. Because I was cutting class, lifting weights. Yeah. Trying to get fast on my bike. Yeah. So then I paid for college. Right. So I was working, racing, going to college. And at a point, it was just too much. Like, they weren't teaching me bike racing classes. So <laughs> because they didn't that. have that, right? They don't have that. You know? And collegiate cycling back then was a joke. I think it still is a joke. Although, Marion has a good program and... You know, Lisa McRae, there are good programs mm-hmm. now. But back then, it was a joke. You know, it wasn't serious. Um, and I wanted to just race my bike. So I did three years of college, quit, um, and just worked and raced my bike. So you're, I, I did a little bit of research on, on your background. And you're, you started racing professionally in 98? Or earlier than that? 98 was my first big year as an amateur I was like second amateur in the national racing calendar, which at the time was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. I got top 10 at all three events at nationals, road race criterium, 
time trial. Um, but I was officially amateur. And then the next year, I raced in Europe for two years. In France. Right? In France. Yep. And I was in a Division One Elite Two team, which is basically a, a high-level amateur team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got paid. You know, it, we have bikes. It was, it was like your pro, but you don't get paid gazillions of dollars you but you're get still getting paid to ride a bike a few bucks yeah yeah, yeah you're getting paid to ride plus you're a in bike. europe yeah <laughs> it would be like the team that i was on it was the feeder team for the team that's now called direct energy and they ride in the tour de france and all that shit and so the level that i would was at was like if i played basketball at ucla mm-hmm. and then didn't really have a great nba career I still played at UCLA. Right, right. And that still means you could ball. Yeah, yeah. You know? Plus, you're a captain, right, for a team Ofoto? Yeah, Ofoto Lombardi Sports. So, yeah, so I did two years in amateurs in France, and then I, well, then I was on a professional team in Switzerland. So that was a legit UCI professional team, and we did a lot of great racing, um, a lot of hard racing. And then I came back into the United States and rode in UCI teams, professional teams in the United States. So- I mean, was there a big difference between, like, European teams and American teams? Oh, yeah. Well, one is, like, you know, when you're racing the Criterium circuit, you know, there's money to be won. I mean, you're racing for 10 grand every weekend, you know, most of the summer. There's money to be won, but then there's really good riders that come take it from you. Right. Um, But you you can make the money, but you're driving yourself mostly. You don't have a lot of support. We would go to a race eight hours away. And this is before people had credit cards. Nobody had credit cards back then. It's all we cash would, money. We Yeah, we would go. We had gas money to get there, but not gas money to get back. So you guys had to make some money. You had hustle. To get, you had to hustle. <laughs> you, had to, you had to have the legs. And we would do Damn. that because we were dumb. We, were, we just knew. We, it's not like we knew we were the shit or like we're going to show up against these you know, professional guys and we're cat ones and we're going to take their money. Mm-hmm. They're not going to let you take their money. We right. just, we weren't thinking about it. We just wanted to race. Right. Mm-hmm. So we would do that shit. And so then you go from that to a 98, having a little bit of support. Like my team bought me plane tickets. They provided bicycles out a road bike, a time trial bike. What team was this? Um, in 98, I rode for Santa Barbara bicycle club. Okay. And um, that team later became a professional team. But the guy who was into it was really into team management. He wanted to have a real team. So mm-hmm. I was the beginning of that, in the beginning stage of that. But then you go to Europe, it's like our amateur team had three team cars. We had a, a huge uh, box van, like a semi-tight mm-hmm. box van that just carried the bikes. Okay. And three team mechanics, two massage therapists. We wow. had a team house. You know, that's, like so that's we had, serious money. Everyone then. had two bikes. Wow. You know, you had a training bike and a race bike. You know, it was it was night and day. Plus I was getting paid. I got a paycheck. Now let me ask you, you know, when this was going on, I mean, did you still have a love for this for, for biking or I mean did did it worry you a little bit? Yeah, well okay. So here's the thing, like I'm still in my mode of 16. I just want to rock out. And I'm in my young 20s and I had a free riders mentality. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to rock out and kick ass. I wanted to do my way. I wasn't trying to... I mean, I wanted to win, but I wanted to win the way I wanted to win. Right. You know what not, I mean? Not, not like other maybe cyclists where they had big name coaches like 
you got to stick to this regiment. No, I didn't do none of that. He's like, I, you, I you, did, out. You, you, you did you. I did me. Yeah. <laughs> at all times. And it got, it did, I didn't, I wasn't career minded. Mm -hmm. If I'd have been career minded, we wouldn't be sitting here doing this. You know what I mean? I'd be in a different place because physically I think I had the level, you know, to, to do more than what I did in the sport. But my mentality was like, I'm doing me. I'm here to rock out. I'm not trying to listen about this other shit you're trying to tell me. And it, so no regrets on how you how you, oh, how you no, did. Okay. None, no, well, there you none go. At all, man. <laughs> there none you at go. All. But I, I, say, I say all that to say that you know I wasn't career minded with it. So to kind of answer your your question, um, it was at times hard to get along in that environment because I had a team. So my teammates were uh, Thomas Volkler who's a hero of the Tour de France, wore, wore the yellow jersey. Jerome Pinot, who was a great professional. Devon Chavanel, who's French national champion in Good classics, right? All my teammates go. Really? Team. Okay. You know, so I'm in a group of really playing the game, doing it the right way. And I, I wasn't. I was serious about kicking ass, but I wasn't serious about the other stuff. Towing the line, staying, lay down. What was your What was your role at um, when you were? I, you know, it was funny. I didn't have a role. I wasn't young. I wasn't French. You know, so they didn't spend a lot of time on me. So at that age, I was already maybe 22. 23. And I didn't know as much racing as a I came in a different Criterion racing and enduro racing. Short, intense. Parking lot looks the same. <laughs> you know, the people are the same. It's the same racing. One's on skinny tires. The other's on mountain. Closing it. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So um, Get more arrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh so it was um it was uh I didn't really have a role. I was I won some races. I wasn't a bad rider, you know, but I wasn't ever really integrated. I have a What's that working? Like, I mean, because, like, I'm, I don't know a lot about road racing, but they call some riders, like, domestiques, and then there's, like, the No, we didn't have that. We didn't have that. It was every man for himself because everybody's trying to get a pro contract, Right. So you guys never, so you guys we didn't really work as a team? Together. We no? never worked together. We never worked together. It themselves. blew me away. It blew me away <laughs> in our team. And we're a high-level team, and everyone is for themselves. I expected to be given a role. Mm -hmm. I expected to be in a program where there was expectation. The only expectation was I live for free in the house. Help them renovate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, um, 
Were you the first black guy like into like road racing? Or um but I'll say this, you know, when I there was three uh brown people brown on our people. team. Okay. You know, there was two dudes from Guadalupe. Uh uh Jen and Ronnie Martin. Guadalupe, where's that at? It's in the Caribbean. Okay. French Island in the Okay. Love cycling. Yoan Jen may not be riding anymore. They had great performance. Now there's a lot of dudes. I saw a little bit of a documentary on that where they were getting support from a actual yeah. bikes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, there was a movie about that. Yeah, that's that's, exactly that's the that's, yeah, that's what we're talking know. about, yeah. But yeah. That, I mean, you guys were thing. you guys were few and far. There were few. Yeah. There were few. So everybody thought I was from but they like, you know, so they would make fun <laughs> and they would talk to me in a Guadalupe. <laughs> But you know, it's it's a trip. Like they, you know, I didn't get such bad treatment because I was a mm. dude from Guadalupe. One time, I just started, sc- and I would scream at my. This is why I didn't get along. I didn't take their bullshit. I would fuck with the um the yeah. other black dudes in the team, and they would play down because they're you know they they're great riders. They're not gonna fuck up a pro contract. They're yeah. from the Caribbean. And they're here, and they can ride pro. They're going to do it. And they did it. Yeah, yeah. They did it for real, man. And they're not going to get on nobody's bad side because someone in the team organization said some shit at them sideways. I would scream at those motherfuckers because they were respecting these dudes. It was purely on some racist shit. Mm. And they wouldn't do it if they if there were some of the white people in the So I would go off. And one time our mechanic didn't fucked up some bikes and I had some crash and I was mad and I took it out on you know I would just go off because because at a point you're isolated you're alone you're not with your people no it's not working out no you're kind of square hole yeah I'm not a high head anymore Get in the way of me. Yeah. Just get in the way of having better. Mm. I wouldn't be. But it's, it's all kind of what you're saying. Like, go to a place to do a thing. And yeah, I, I really never cared about riding that tour. I want to ride. Paris. I want to do three things in stage of Super Week, stage of Altoona. You know, I wanted to win a big criteria. And the only reason I want to ride Perry Roubaix is because I wanted to have ride it in a baseball cap, a <laughs> custom like NASCAR style baseball cap that was going to be red, uh-huh. and it was going to have brown mud embroidered in the brim because it's a muddy race, and it was going to say RVA on. 
place. <laughs> and all my people who supported me getting to that point. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to get on TV and have RVA on my hat. And that's all I wanted to do. I didn't get really break. And that's yeah. what I was going to do. <laughs> I didn't get to So, I mean, what was your strategy as a cyclist? Would you just try to put them in the hurt locker right away or like kind of wait in the back and... I like to get out. All right, guys, and we're back. All right, sorry about that. Uh, all right, oh, so, <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about mountain biking. So after your career was done with road cycling, mm-hmm. what year did you start mountain biking? And my buddy at TRP kind of turned me on to that, and I interviewed. I had to jump through hoops mm-hmm. and stuff. It wasn't like here's a cool thing. Um, but they wanted somebody that that knew the scene, that had a lot of experience in bicycle culture more than anything, someone who had industry experience. Because I also work for Time, so my first job out of racing was working for Time. Okay. So, which is a high end pedal company. Yeah. And I helped them do testing and development, and I had some experience, you know, on the supplier side of things, which is very different from the brand side of things. And pause real quick. All right, we're back. Okay, sorry about that. Interruptions. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I, I can, I think I can pick up where where we were. Um, so okay. I had some experience in the on the supplier side of things, and okay. so that's what really ended up working out well mm-hmm. for being able to come in and, and integrate myself with people who are not on the fancy brand side of things. So, we're a manufacturer. We make stuff. So. Your bread and butter is manufacturing. Making stuff, yeah. Making absolutely. stuff for other people? For Yeah, everything's for someone else. I mean, we, we have a little bit of our own brand presence in the aftermarket that's growing. But really, at the end of the day, it's about putting you know putting bike parts on bikes that end up in the bike shop. Okay. They're on it already when you buy it. And then okay. doing you know manufacturing. Because a lot of the big fancy brands, they don't own machines. You know, they can't, they can't reliably make all their best ideas so then they come to us mm-hmm. you know to to make it a reality f- okay for them so you do a lot of traveling to taiwan yeah taiwan yeah we our, our home office is in taiwan we have some factories in china one in vietnam we're doing some looking at moving and some stuff into europe as well there's a lot of assembly of bicycles in europe there's almost five million bikes a year get assembled in europe wow. so it, it would make some sense to make parts there too mm-hmm. you know so how's business? Um, yeah, it's it's challenging always. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of people with machines. You know, there's a lot of people with CNC machines in Asia. So how do you how do you, you know, stay above you know in, in front of that? You know, try to keep keep you guys on the really leading edge. It's, it's um, it's being on the leading edge from a manufacturing standpoint, having the best machines, having the best processes. So it's always a constant investment in, in, yeah, in the company. Yeah, constant reinvestment in the companies to, to stay on top. Um, but the biggest thing is we're not a low-cost provider. We're mm-hmm. best value. We're not the cheapest. Okay. Um, but we can get it done on time and in large, and in large quantities. You know, so when you need a lot of something, right? You know, there's not that many people who are going to be able to, to, um, to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's maybe three other companies in the bike business as a whole who operate at the level that, that we operate. Just at. a massive, massive yeah. level. 
Yeah, I mean, we're doing like, you know, 50 million sets of pedals a year. Wow. You know, headsets, bottom brackets, mm-hmm. you know, on that on that scale. Yeah. Pretty stressful job? Nah. Pretty. <laughs> it's kid. Party like a rock star or what? <laughs> no, it's not. I love doing bike parts. I love the, I love the, the, the product development, you know, the product development part of it. But we were talking about the getting in, talking about how we're getting back to mountain bikes, right? Mm-hmm. So this is what's going on in my position with VP. We got to find a way to get in here, right? At that time, mountain bikes are getting good again. They're not the they're not the Gary Fisher Super Caliber that I rode in 1990. Okay, these there's real fast mountain bikes now. Mm-hmm. Um, so people want to ride flat pedals, and flat pedals are getting popular, but they're all expensive. They're all made by small companies, small machine shops, and the demand for flat pedals is so outrageous, but no one can supply the market. Mm -hmm. But we have products in our catalog ready to go that can supply the product, so flat pedals was our end. I still hadn't been riding mountain bikes, you know, this was maybe only five years ago, right? So we're getting involved, and you got to know what you're doing. You can't come out out here and bullshit people. You know, you're gonna go to Sea Otter and sell people mountain bike flat pedals, and you don't even own a mountain bike. You don't know anything about mountain bikes. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. No, people people don't respect that. Right. You know, and 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 you can't get anywhere doing that. So what we what I had to end up doing is buying a mountain bike. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm living in Santa Barbara, and um, if anybody's ever ridden in Santa Barbara, they know what it's like. You know, it ain't easy. There's no beginner trail, right? Mm-hmm. So I got a Marin Attack Trail, um, one fifty millimeter bike, front and rear. This was five years ago, maybe six years ago in the spring, and um, I thought I looked on the map. And I thought I heard Tunnel Trail was a cool trail. I had road shoes and road pedals on that thing too. <laughs> like full lycra get up, you know. It was a little rainy, so I had a really slick, cool rain jacket. Yeah. Like a roadie rain jacket. It was pretty awesome. And uh, so I look on the trail map and I see this trail, Rattlesnake. I know bikes aren't supposed to ride it, but fuck it. You know, I don't, whatever. And I see a tunnel connector trail. And I see it gets you part way to tunnel because I didn't want to, because I wasn't that fit. I wasn't riding a lot. And I didn't want to climb all the way up mm-hmm. to the 3,500-foot peak to catch tunnel. I just thought I'll just do half of it. It's easy. So I get up Rattlesnake. It's technical climb, so I'm hiking my bike because I can't ride mountain bikes. I'm mm-hmm. in road shoes, hiking up this rocky-ass trail. <laughs> and then like, I get to the part where it says, okay, tunnel connector. There's a little trail sign off in the woods. I swear I'm lost. I don't know where I'm at. This trail, no one has done any trail maintenance on it. It is not a trail anymore. It is a goat path. And so I had this like 35 pound bike hiking it two miles, traversing, like in carbon fiber road shoes. Destroyed them. Destroyed these shoes. (laughs) Finally get to tunnel trail. And it's like, I feel so good. Mm-hmm. Like finally I get to fucking ride this bike down a trail. A train tunnel trail is like black diamond. It's like chunktastic. It's I've heard about it. I've never ridden up there, but I've heard and seen some videos of it. Yeah. It's super chunky. It's burly. Yeah. It's for real. So I end up walking my bike down fucking tunnel trail. 
So I basically took my bike, my mountain bike, my first mountain bike ride. I took it for a fucking two-hour walk in road (laughs) shoes. It was fucked up, man. You know, but then I enjoy a challenge of getting good at something. I got enough little time on the bike and rode over some bumps enough to know that this was going to be pretty sick if I could get on it and really do it, you know. So that and that that was the beginning of it, you know, just the personal development part of any sport, mm-hmm. you know, getting better at something, developing yourself, figuring out what you're bad at, how to improve. It's something I always enjoyed about training and road racing. I could get to do it in another sport, and I don't have to be that fit to go fast because you point the bike downhill, you can go 35 miles, and you go as fast as you want to go. Mm-hmm. Just don't break, right? And you don't even have to be fit. <laughs> You know what I mean? Just a little bit. Well, yeah, eventually you Ch- get... China Peak's no joke, man. Yeah, eventually China you, Peak is no you joke. get fit, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it, it's different from trying to do the road ride thing with all the fit guys. And you get your fucking doors blown off mm-hmm. and it just doesn't feel good. You right. Know? So that, that that's what put me back on mountain biking. But if the bikes were... When I was 16, if we rode the bikes that we ride now, I would still be mount. I would have never stopped mountain biking. The bikes were terrible in mm-hmm. 1990. You couldn't keep a headset tight. You, you would do four headsets in a year on a mountain bike. It was now, ridiculous. Now you what? You go a year at least. Yeah, you can get a year out of a high-quality headset with good seals. You can mm-hmm. get two years out of them in Southern California because it never rains. We got, we got a little bit of rain this year. Yeah, this year we got, <laughs> we got a lot of rain. This year people lost their minds. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was fun and interesting. So, um, so you, you, you were on the receiving end of like sponsorship and now you're in a position where you can sponsor teams. Yeah. I mean, do you see a benefit in in that? Um, honestly, no, no, we're going to sell as a, as a company, we're going to sell what we're going to sell regardless, Mm -hmm. you know, especially since OE is our main thing. But where it makes a difference is the prestige of the company. If you can work like working, know everyone in the industry knowing Nikolai Rogatkin is using our products has been for the past three years now. Um, that's somebody they want to get with. You mm-hmm. know, that's something that 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 they can feel proud of. You know, when they work with us as mm-hmm. a company. You know, and and it's the feel good part of it in the business side. That's of a really great benefit, you know, and working with like doing California Enduro series and and being a founding sponsor of that, like the guys in Taiwan, when they go meet with giant and every, and their customers, they say, you know, all of our customers say, Oh, Enduro is really big. We've got this new Enduro bike, blah, 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 blah. And the dudes in Taiwan can sit there and smile and be really happy and say, yeah, we know Enduro. You know, we're a part of Enduro. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, California Enduro Series. Here's the video. You walk in the in the fancy office building, and there's a there's big fat CES videos on loop. You know, it, it, that stuff really is where you you make the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that is the that is the big thing hmm. when it comes to sponsorship. That's the big benefit. That's where you get reap a little bit of it. That's where you get the reward, you know, when it, it's like saying, you know, so if we're, if we're selling parts to specialize or whoever, you know, 
we're a little bit more than a supplier. We, mm-hmm. We're involved the same way they're involved. We know a little bit about the same things they know about. Mm-hmm. We have some of the same experiences that they have. And so they can trust us a little bit more on product development because we actually care. Mm-hmm. We actually ride the bikes. You know, right. We actually understand what the riders are doing. Not just somebody behind the desk, you know, designing yeah. stuff and yeah. hoping yeah. it works or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but if you don't know, you know, people come to us because we know how the machines work. We know how to get the machine to make the thing you want us to make. Mm-hmm. That's why they're there. But if we can also understand more about the widget and we understand what it is more than just a widget, mm-hmm. then that makes everybody feel better. You know, that, that, that makes everyone comfortable. That brings us more business in the door. Mm-hmm. That gives people uh, an incentive to, to, to give us a shot at higher end and fancier things, you know. It, so it, it's a long game thing. It's, it's saying like, who are we as a company? You know, what kind of people do we want to roll with, you know? So where, where do you see VP in like five years? That's a good question. You have to ask Victor that. You know, VP stands for Victor Pedal, and Victor is the guy, you know. We're the, we're the go-to for hard to make. Um, we're the, the best value with the best customer service, and we're just going to keep doing more of the same, you know. So we're in a position that we don't have to – I don't want to say we don't have to chase the market. Everyone has to chase the market. But, you know, we're not – we're not looking for niches to play. We're not looking for. We're not hinging everything on the next big thing. So, um, where do you see like mountain biking like in the next few years or whatever? I mean, there's so many changes that, you know, like downhill twenty nine er, you know. Is, I mean, is that just hype? What do you think? I don't. You know, I, this is interesting because I'll tell you, you know, I deal. I don't deal with everyone in the business. You know, there's some companies we don't do business with, but most of the companies we do do business with um, and I can tell you that no product manager is trying to find a way to make you pay more no product manager is trying to find a way to make you buy another bike mm-hmm. um, everyone is really honestly truly trying to do their best and be different like they're artists, mm-hmm. you know. This isn't the consumer electronics industry, right? The people have an artist mentality. They want to show who they are by giving their all and doing their best work. So if that means Super Boost one fifty, whatever. Yeah, like pivot, right? I think you know, got like a, they're, they're not trying to yeah. fool anybody. Mm-hmm. They're legitimately trying to show you who they are. And legitimately trying to give you more. Mm-hmm. Don't buy it. You don't want it. Right. But I mean, at, you know, like it went, we went from uh, 142, 12 by 140 yeah. and now we're at boost. Oh, 135 was dumb. No, 142. That, but then 142 needed to happen. Yeah. Boost, but, boost. hey, boost is better. I have, a, I have an office with machines. We tested it. Boost is stiffer. Mm-hmm. If you want stiffer, get boost. So the, a, a lot of it is like... Uh, the first thing I want, the first point I want to make is like the PMs are really honestly trying to do the best that they can to give people better products. But it's also a, a form of self-expression. 
if they can say they have this idea and this concept and they want to make it real, they're just like artists. They want to be individualistic. They want to show their shit. You know, it's like, you know, it's like a windmill dunk, you know, in junk time at the end of the game. It's time to sh- it's game on. It's time to show who you are. It's time to shine. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And so mm-hmm. when some some people in the bike company do some crazy shit and no half the people don't understand it and half the people are mad because it's so new and different, you don't have to buy that. Your same bike does whatever. You were happy with it before you knew this thing. That's true. Was out. That's true. You know, those five, six people. Or that's their windmill dunk. Mm-hmm. They're trying to show their shit. They want to show who they are and what they can do. And they want to kick ass. And that is a, an expression of themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's all it is, you know. That's that's <laughs> all there is to say about that, <laughs> you know. What, what bike are you on right now? Um, I got on a Specialized Enduro last week. I thought you were in a Norco. I was on a Norco range before. Yeah. Um, so you're drinking that Kool-Aid. I lo- no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. And, you know, I love, you know, I don't know. I, I try not to be bandwagon. I always want to be different. I did mountain biking because no one I knew did it and it was cool. You know, um, you know I, I, I always custom painted my own shoes to be different. I always want to be different. And at some point, you know, there's a reason a lot of people ride specialized in Santa Cruz. Yep. Yep. You know, I'm mad at you. And at a point, <laughs> you know, you get 42 years old and you got to be like, all right, you know, it's Let time me try to stop it. being stupid and just, you know, ride that bike because you get beat by these guys all the time and they're all riding Enduros. You get one, at least you know it ain't the bike. Right. Yeah. You like, know what I mean? You just want to test it for yourself, huh? Yeah. No, I, I the, the the Norco that I had is a great bike. It's not the old range was not a race bike. It's it's way more stable mm-hmm. than my Enduro twenty nine. You know, you can point that thing down a hill and it don't get offline. You know, the specialized you gotta stay on it. Hmm. You know. You would think like a twenty nine or they would it would just be like point and shoot. There's so much more to it than just the wheel size, man. There's so much more to it. And coming off that Norco, which is the fastest, straightest bike I think you could probably buy, and eats up chunk-tastic trails, like easy peasy, like no problem. So then why? Well, it, it has a really rearward axle path, and it does not like to pedal. Okay. If you coast down the hill, it's cool. If you're trying to pedal and win a race, yeah, okay, it's, it fights you. Yeah, because because yeah, yeah. I you know even with the anti squat calm down, I put a forty two chainring on it to calm down the anti squat. Every time, you know, it hits a bump, it's yanking the cranks backwards. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. but that's why it's so fast down the hill. It's a downhill bike. It's the most bike you can pedal up a hill. It's really made for, for fire road climbs. Road climbs, fire road climbs, logging road climbs. Yeah. It gets up the hill great, awesome traction. It's the best technical climbing bike that I've ever had because it inchworms. Because hmm. you can make that rearward axle path. You can control the, the wheelbase by pedal input. 
and it inchworms up climbs. It will shoot you up over rocks climbing. Hmm. It shoots you over rocks descending. Hmm. You know, but that's not at CES. That's not what the races are like. Mm-hmm. If we race down tunnel, I wouldn't need an Enduro Twenty Nine. Right. You know, there's no pedaling on tunnel. You gonna yeah. die if you pedal. You gonna <laughs> hit a rock and go off the trail. Yeah. So, I mean, you're one of the founders of California Enduro Series. Yeah. Yeah. I was. We were here racing the first stuff as well, and we've seen a lot of changes. A lot of good changes. All right, and we're back. Sorry about that. All right, so talking about CES, what, uh, why CES? Um, because no one was doing it, you know? Um, I just thought Enduro was cool, and I knew about it from when I worked for Time. Time is a French company, and Enduro was a thing in France. Like, I knew about Meg Avalanche and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and when it really started to get to be a bigger deal, I thought like, that's what these bikes are for. Mm -hmm. That's racing. That's people who never had a race. I mean, that's, I can really share bike racing. Yeah. You know, with people who didn't ever get a chance to do it. So I just started putting them on, you know, at dirt club in Los Olivos, Mike Hecker, who was the dude out there who I knew from training in Santa Barbara on the road back in the day um, and had kept up with. And I said, man, let's let's do it. I knew he had a downhill course out there, two downhill courses out there. Um, so we just started doing it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then no one had it. Every, it was this series, that series, and I was tired of hearing about, you know, no one's going to come to your race because they go to Oregon Enduro Series. I'm like, fuck them up. I mean, they're cool dudes. I, <laughs> yeah. You know, just yeah. in the way, like, you, you hate to see people, not that they're, like, eating my cake or nothing, but, you know, you just see where you got to go. You see what people are expecting, and you got to deliver it to get them in the door, but then give them something else, mm-hmm. you know? Because I think even at that time, Enduro was an experience. It wasn't a bike race. You know, I want to still kind of new, right? I want to make it into a bike race. Yeah. My interest is bike racing. My interest is athlete development. I'm interested in bike racers. I'm interested in bike posers. Mm-hmm. You know, glow pajamas and clean bikes and shit. Um, I can relate to that, man. Not interested. I, you know, I run a race team, and that's that's what I want. I want bike racers. Yeah. You know, I I put in a lot of time and effort and a lot of free time and. Coming out here, I mean, I'm not making any money. You know what I mean? That could be working. Yeah, you know, could I be wanted back to say working. that you, I appreciate you taking on the role that you have and coming out here and getting the kids out here and all the path people. Not everybody in the path is, you know, 20 years old. I mean, mm-hmm. they all rely on you, even the old dudes and, 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 and the people that are old enough to know better than to be out of here. Yeah killing themselves you know and that effort is what the racing needs so yeah i wanted to model my vision for the ces before i called up steve and megan because they were working with mbosc and they had the santa cruz super enduro and i had my races i said man let's hook this up Mm -hmm. we need one more race i called up eric carter who who i knew yep Put that race on down there. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? Robert Herber. Eric yeah, Carver. Robert Herber. Yep. Because I call up Eric, and I don't know how I knew. 
Oh, he was a, he's a World Cup champion. <laughs> but why, you know, but why would I know that dude? Why would I be, you know... You like, guys sure cross paths somewhere. I knew Brian Lopes, you know, from track racing. Because mm-hmm. um, those they used to always try to get those BMX guys out to the track. And so I met Lopes out there bef- before. And so... Um, but anyway, why, I don't know how it is. Because I didn't know Eric Carter. I mean, I, I kind of knew who he was a little... But anyway, I just had the idea of talking to this Eric Carter guy, man. He knows something about some bike races. Let's get him involved. Mm-hmm. I think because he was friends with my buddies at Sun Tour. Okay. Um, and he was helping them out with some stuff. But anyway, so, so we had the three races, and that was the beginning. My vision was to model it after Criterium Racing. The scene in Criterium Racing mm-hmm. is by the riders. It's for the riders. The clubs put on the races. Everyone shows up. It's fun. It's intense. It's exciting. There's teams, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that was what I. That's that's what I was about, you know. And, and I said, if we can get this to the level where we can all drop dead, and it goes on, that's what you're looking for, mm-hmm. you know. Rule number one is nobody can be in this to make money, you know. So all the CES is nonprofit. We don't make money. We don't go on fancy board trips to fucking Bali and weird <laughs> shit like that. You know, every dime we get is put back in to support mm-hmm. the races. Right. You know, provide things at a lower cost or like buy the timing system that we bought. Yeah, that was, you know. that was expensive. What, $30,000 or something? Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. Yeah, we needed some help and the community came through, but you got to build the community. So there's all kinds of things I'd like to see, you know, with the Golden Tour and we can talk about that too. But the bottom line is like, you know, so people wanted to have this enduro experience, but I wanted to make enduro into a bike race. Yeah. You know, and so the series was a part of that. It's, it's part experience part bike race we do both for the people that want both that's why you have all these freaking categories no one had i don't even think still people have category beginner this and all these ages that yeah. some people sport they just want the the experience yep some experts just want the experience some people want to really race mm-hmm. you know so we we got to be able to do all that stuff right right you know what are what are the challenges to to, to putting on these kind of events oh timing but we're starting to get permits. That, that licked. Permits are, are, are tough, but if, when you come to a ski resort, they do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, permits on public land is, is really rough. That's why we'll never have a race in Santa Barbara. That's why we probably won't have Santa Cruz Super Enduro back. You know, A, a big part of the, why we wanted to do the team thing is to get riders to self-identify as groups group together mm-hmm. and then they would be the groups who are putting on the races because um, it's got to be buying for the riders man got to be you know that's that's slowly taken off slower than I would have liked so the big challenge is implementing our really great ideas with manpower and time yeah that's the big challenge I would really like to have a, a SoCal like Endura race I mean yeah we have Big Bear I mean that's you know yeah, but something a little bit further south. You know, oh, black, for, sure. for me, like Black Mountain would be like the race to have down yeah. there. Yeah, um, it's just... it's it's tough to do. And yeah, man, and people complain about how it's all NorCal, but that's really we're so in the baby stages of this still, man. 
you know, and once we get the club scene bigger and a couple clubs can band together and and do the race and show off their trail, mm-hmm. you know, just like Super Boost Plus 159.10, you know, you got to show your shit by putting on a race. <laughs> so, okay, so, so speaking of that, okay, so how can... How can a team or a club do that? I mean, would you guys, I mean, if somebody has a vision, an idea like, hey, I want to put a race on here or there or whatever, I mean, mm-hmm. do you guys give guidance? I mean, yeah, we I do. Mean, the, the main thing that we do in the series is, is marketing and timing. Right. You know, so if it's a CES race, there's certain guidelines, there's certain things that we ask you to do. To I'm not going to say like there's no ever problems with quality. Of the event, we're it's, we're baby stepping here. Yeah. Still five years in, we're still that five baby years? stepping. Man, that was like three years. Maybe it's been five years. It ha- it has been. I, I say five years because that's when I started to do, to okay. do the races. It, but I, yeah, for me, it's five years. Okay, you know, working on this. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, we do the marketing, you know, so when as soon as it says CES on it, you're going to have riders. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other enduro series that don't have the riderships that are in California because they don't say CES. Right. You know, and some people can't do what we need them to do or whatever, whatever. But we always want to bring people in the fold. So if somebody, like, so like I said, if somebody yeah. wants to put on a race, we you know. will come in with the timing. We'll help you design the courses. Um, you know, uh, uh, the marketing is there. So there's a certain financial, there's certain a guaranteed financial return that you're going to have, you know, when it's a CES event. Um, but they have to meet certain guidelines. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but we help everybody, you know, to, to meet those guidelines and it's really difficult. You know, it's still not easy. You know, there's still not enough people doing it. Yeah. You know, the, the, the most well-run events have the biggest manpower and crew. Which Mendo, is the toughest, right? Which is the toughest. Mendo has an incredible amount of people out there. That's why they can only do it every two years because it's so taxing. Uh, Peavine is smooth like butter because mm-hmm. that club, the Podunks, has so many people. And, and they come out because that's, you know a big chunk of money for their that funds their trail build for the year mm-hmm. all their whole trail building budget is filled by that race mm-hmm. so they got all the volunteers everyone else is 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 coming up shorthanded mm-hmm. you know um so we got to keep we got to keep doing what what we're doing you know and, and get more people involved so you're still involved with CES right I mean you're just still part of the organization yeah I'm or... on the I'm on the board you know and there's a small board we need to recruit the board we need to you know there's a lot of things that we need to do mm-hmm. um, so you guys but it's a manpower question at all levels it's a manpower question it's a manpower question if you're trying to run a race team it's a manpower question if you're trying to put on the race mm-hmm. it's a manpower question at the board level right you know right now, are you guys like forecasting for like 2018 right now? Like, hey, we want to we want to try something different, something yeah. new. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, are yeah, you guys, are you guys seeing like numbers increase, decrease? I mean, increasing, st- stabilize. You know, we're getting with it with a sport ident timing system that we got. We're able to run more riders. Mm-hmm. We need to get the production level of the races up and smooth enough to cycle more riders. We can theoretically do 600 riders at every race. Mm-hmm. 
but a lot of the the manpower just isn't there at a lot of their races right now to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so that's a big that's a big challenge. Um, the, then the other big challenge, you know, outside of just the number of people that you can run in a day, is um, making sure that everyone who wants to race gets an opportunity to race. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, that I think is 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 pretty important. So a lot of that's going to be. You know, tweak in the way that we roll out reg because right now, like you'll have five regs drop within a month, and you're asking people to come up, commit to, you know, five hundred bucks. That's a tough part, it's you hard. know, financially because, you know, there's people that are like, man, strapped for cash. You know what I mean? And um, so that kind of hurts people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, um, like for me, like the race is being so close together. You know what I mean? It it like in, in an ideal world, once a month would be great mm-hmm. instead of like twice a month or like, you yeah. know, like having big gas. But, you know, I understand yeah. like the resorts, the, you know, how, how much snow well, we had this year. Melts, yeah. Then you can race. It's right. Like, no, you can't right. race. You know, it, it's a lot. So we need to figure out, we need to figure out about that. You know, so if, if the demand for the events is still very high and it is, we need more events to, to reach the demand. But then the pressure is on the people to race the series and it's six of eight races, you got to race six races. Maybe you should only ride your best four of ten. Plan yeah. to do four, and there's ten. You need another race, go do another race. Yeah. But the regs can't all drop in the same month. You know, That's hard. And it's hard. That's hard. So That's a hard. lot of that stuff is, is, is what we're thinking through now. Yeah. You know, how are we going to work the team points to, mm-hmm. to incentivize – you know the teams and give people like right now the teams get pref preferential registration but there's a lot of teams that aren't i'm not gonna say they're not teams but they're there just to get the preferential registration mm-hmm. you know what i mean yep. so that we got to look at that you know we got to look at as we like i said enduro is both an experience and a bike race i would love to see where in five years time top EWS riders are coming out of CES. Yeah. I can't count Marco Osborne, although he won his first race in CES. Because mm-hmm. he basically leapfrogged straight into it. You know, but we got guys like Dylan. Paul Sarah. Paul Sarah. Yep. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, there's a lot of other good juniors, you know, who, who are right there. Mm-hmm. Right now, our, our best CES riders only you know 50 to 60th place you know EWS why is that we don't know we, I gotta look at that that's what I care about so that's what maybe, we're, maybe some of the races are not as gnarly maybe and more pedally like yeah I mean there there is you know there's a couple of races yeah. that are more pedally like you gotta Toro up, you know you gotta come up you know you, you gotta do all that stuff yeah you gotta you gotta de- racing is a mentality you mm-hmm. gotta develop the racing mentality you can go shuttle all the gnarly shit you want mm-hmm. racing is in your head mm-hmm. you know so the more guys race the better they're going to be in that part of the, the the racing and so as we organize on one side to get more people to race and more events some people are there for racing and they're bike racers and then may, that's why we started the golden tour 
last year mm-hmm. to develop these high level races, which are the tougher ones, right? The ones that are in the ED, EWS mold, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to create that funnel from a P vine when you're starting out as a beginner or a junior to now I got the head to race the golden tour and I'm qualified for EWS. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm fully aware that from, cause I did it myself, man. Like I had to go look for the hard criteriums to do if I'm going to be a real crit rider. I gotta, I gotta go do those races. Where are the best guys? That's where I gotta go. Yeah. You know, so part of it is we need to pull, we need to have enough prize money to pull guys down and then we need to develop our own guys to come up. Mm-hmm. You know, so last year we had, you know, Lopes clean the clocks of all these young kids and, you know, um, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, a higher level of competition, you better get ready. Yep. You know. Especially when there's money at stake, right? The money makes a big difference, you know. And in the beginning, dudes were more about the experience. Oh, you don't need prize money. No one's out here getting rich. You know, nah, you need prize money. You bike racer, you need prize money. Right. Well, you know, right? You, you, yeah, yeah. Nothing, racing for free. Right. That's, yeah, that's, you know, it doesn't respect their effort mm-hmm. for us to come out there and not give them any money. Right. You know, so, and that's something that we require either a race promoter. You're going to take in, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blow up nobody's spot right now, but you can do the math. You take in how much money mm-hmm. and how and you don't give no prize money for the pros. Yeah. You stop. Right. You know, you got to give back. You, you got to mm-hmm. and it doesn't pay but if you have a sponsor paying your expenses and you win a thousand dollars that's a thousand damn dollars I'm mm-hmm. like give me a thousand dollars I got a, I got a job I get paid good but you still give me a thousand dollars you gotta take it I'm gonna take it <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yep, so yep. you know you can't a lot of people in the sport downplay the importance of prize money partly because they don't know what it means because they never had it yeah um, and partly because you know, some people just want to keep money out of it. They mm-hmm. just, they're just soul riders like that, mm-hmm. I guess. Ain't no such thing as a soul racer. No, it's a soul rider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want a soul ride, don't come to a race. Mm-mm. You can soul ride all day at home. Yeah. So wrapping it up, what's your takeaway? Like, what's your advice to up-and-coming enduro racers and somebody that wants to get into the industry, you know, and make a living you you know doing. you got to do your thing man you know you got to yeah i don't know you know i'm here just to make bike racing a thing for people cuz i love it and you know i want to share it mm-hmm. and if you help a lot of people and don't get anything out of it some people went to a race and they're happy just with that one thing some people need more mm-hmm. you know um and to give the kids who were like me an outlet to express themselves and be good at something, be a champion, when the rest of the world doesn't provide that for them, that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone is getting what they need out of standard society. Mm-hmm. And some people, they don't know it yet, but they need to race their bikes. Yeah, we're like one percenters. I mean, what's the percentage of like people racing mom riding mom bikes? There's a lot of people, but 
actual racers, like we're one percenters, dude. Yeah, it, yeah, no one does it. Yeah, you know, and and I, you know, when I have my 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 pro team, my my pro road team, you know, in team camp, I would say, man, you know, everyone downplays it because they're afraid of the risk, you know, but in the end. Anything has the importance that you give it. Mm-hmm. It's a game. Well, sure, it's it's bullshit. We can discuss all the ways. Everything is bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm fully aware, you know. But some people, and I'm one of them, they just get something extra out of it. There's an extra value that's unlocked that you can't explain. Give it that importance. Go race your bike, you know. And that's what I did. My takeaway is. Go race your damn bike. If you need to go race your bike, I needed to go race my bike. Yeah. If you need to do it, you have to go do it. And don't fucking listen to nobody. Don't. If you have a plan B, you're not trying hard enough at bike racing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, that's the worst advice. And and about I've got kids. I'll tell my kids that. Don't have no damn plan B. Work your plan A. Mm-hmm. And don't stop ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's going to take you somewhere. You know, it took me somewhere. Yeah. I'm, working, I'm still working my plan A. I never yeah. went to plan B. You know what I mean? That's my yeah. takeaway. Get, you know, if you got to race your bike, race it and, and work your plan A. Right and, on. And don't ever stop on that plan A. Cool. Well, Eric, I just want to thank you for your time. And, uh, man, I'm stoked on this podcast. And Right on. And GFE Radio out. Thank you.